Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. The Screen the Screener Podcast is back better than ever. What a first week of the NCAA College Hoops action. We had games, we had close battles, we had stars going off, we had upsets and surprises. So Gus Kearns is joining me, Mike Randall here, to take you through all of the action from the first week. And I'm going to give my All-American picks. I'm going to give my Final Four picks. Gus, this is as exciting as it gets. We've started, the season is here, and boy, did we have jam-packed action week one. That's exactly what you want as the first weekend as a college basketball fan. Uh, Listeners out there, thank you so much for carving out some time for the podcast. Mike and I are always happy, humbled, and eternally grateful and thankful for you guys tuning in and carving out time during your busy week. And we're hoping we're helping on a commute or a subway ride or or a walk around the block. That's what we're hoping. Mike, there are tons of things to pay attention to, but the first thing I think we have to talk about is what happened on Tuesday night in the Championships Classic in Chicago. And it was a classic. I mean, the first game, what else do you want from that, right? You have one versus two. You have two Hall of Fame coaches. uh, You have possibly two of the best freshmen in the nation. You have maybe the front runner for player of the year playing against who now might be the front runner of player of the year. Like, so we, we had so much, so much dynamics going on in this one particular game. Duke takes down Michigan state, 88, 81. Here are my two quick takeaways. Number one. Hello, Grayson Allen. Welcome back. He he seems to be okay. He seems to have some good lift on that jumper. He absorbed some contact when he took it to the lane, and he turned around every corner on those pick and rolls and got around his defender. Really impressed with his game. I don't know if his this shooting from three is sustainable. Like I don't know if he can stay this efficient from three for the remainder of the season. But so far, so good for Grayson Allen. Trayvon Duvall is an issue at point guard. Look, we know we can't shoot it straight. That's okay. He's a terror on the defensive end with his length getting the passing lanes, especially after Duke went a little zone after their usual man-to-man defense was a little compromised. And he's definitely a pass-first point guard. You saw some of those crazy, like, odd-angled passes that Duval spit out for the Blue Devils. Really impressed with him. And, I mean, let's not forget the bigger picture here. They played the majority of the game without their top incoming freshman Bagley which was unbelievably impressive as well. If you lose arguably your top player in a one versus two game, advantage two. Guess that wasn't the case. Uh, Here are my two Michigan State takeaways super fast. Number one, I think it's possible that Jackson might end up being better than Bridges. Let's slow slow the horses there on that one. (laughs) Is that possible? (laughs) Let's take it easy. I want to hear this one. I, I, I know I get you a little bit with that one, but like, his length is a little bit outrageous. It's like 7-4 wingspan. He rebounds. His shot looks funky, but it goes in. And he efforts on the boards. Now, this is no slight on Bridges. Bridges is going to be in the talk all year for player of the year. He, he, he very well could be a first-team All-American. There, I'm not, this is a, not a slight on Bridges and his play and his shot selection and his approach to the game once, once Duke went zone. He had trouble creating his own shot. This is just a comment on Jackson thinking like, hmm, he might be a little bit more intriguing than we originally thought. Mike, what did you take away from the Duke-Michigan State matchup? And what did you see, you know, what did your, you know, veteran college basketball brain tell you that came from this game? Uh, it was amazing. It was an amazing game, and I was I was wrong. I was totally wrong. I I may have Fair. Uh, text. I may have texted you, Gus, that uh, this was a great game to wager. I may have put that on Twitter, and I may have realized why Vegas has those big buildings and <laughs> that they do. Uh, this is what I'll tell you. It 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 was it was a great game. 
Uh, first off, hats off to Grayson Allen. You you have 37 points. You shoot 7 of 11 from three-point range. He was feeling it, Gus. He's letting it fly. He's holding his hand up there. He's pointing at his hand. He's doing the, uh, you know, he's, he's do- who's that celebration? with he, uh, the Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell. There it right, is. right, he right. Had, he, he had everything going on and, and, and played tremendously. And listen, I think they needed that type of performance. I would have never thought that Grayson Allen against a tough Michigan State team would have been able to do that. But hats off to him. I was very impressed also in the limited time that Bagley played. Mm. He played 10 minutes, Gus. He had six rebounds, five offensive. So what was fascinating to me is that at halftime, Michigan State was getting out-rebounded by Duke. Now, if I were to tell you that they got out-rebounded, I don't think you would have believed me. In the end, it was 46 to 34, Duke out-rebounded them. So from Duke's perspective, you lose Bagley with the eye. I think he's going to be okay. Like you said, Doster did not like Rob Doster. He's on the podcast, did not like Duval. He had concerns about him. Right. Gus, he played, he played very well. 17 points, 10 assists. Sure, he has trouble from three, but you know what? Grayson Allen and him combined for seven of 15 from three-point range. So even though he was 0-4, it doesn't matter. You know, I was really impressed also, man, with Wendell Carter Jr. Boy, he's a big guy. Yeah. He's like, he's like 20 a, pounds more than Bagley, right? Yeah. Big dude, not as not as much length and not a great second jumper like Bagley is, but he is a big boy. My favorite Duke player, uh, which I put in my short corner, uh, a little uh, article that we got going on, weekly article, short corner. Look for it every week, folks. Uh, I talked about Gary Trent Jr. He is my favorite Duke player. He was only 3 of 14 from the field, but hit a massive three-pointer with about four minutes left that was really critical. For Michigan State, listen, I think Izzo makes us a teaching point, Gus. You know, that's what he does. They will be better. I was very disappointed with Langford and Winston. They only combined for 12 points. They only combined 4 of 14 from the field field, one of seven from three-point range. They're not going to win if that happens. Uh, Jaron Jackson, like you said, was awesome. He was awesome. He was three of five from three-point range, 19 points. He's going to be a high draft pick. I agree with you. Oh, yeah. I don't think he's, I don't think he's better than Bridges. I, I think Bridges has to be more un, more unselfish. He's got to really, you know, he had that little flurry where he went back and forth with the threes with Allen. You right. Know, a little cool thing, right? But Bridges has got to sort of put his, his will on the game. Listen, I think this was decided, Gus, because Coach K came out in his own. And I think they weren't ready for it. I agree. I mean, I mean, you and I have talked, you know, off air endlessly about this, about how there's nobody in college basketball that has more quick hitters up his sleeve than Coach Izzo. And guess what most of those quick hitters are against? Uh, a man defense. So as soon as they went yeah. zone, pretty much they had to scrap their whole game plan and start from zero again. So, I mean, it was a kind of a brilliant coaching move on Coach Gay's part, which what, what else do you expect? To be honest, that Trent three coupled with that Allen three at the end, those are the two game-changing shots. Those are the back-breaking shots, and that put the game out of reach for Michigan State. And uh, anything else from this particular game, or are you ready to dive into Kentucky and Kansas? No, I, I just listen. I expect them to be a lot better. Uh, Carter and Schilling are great guys off the bench. Goins, I thought, did a nice job. Listen, I think it's a great win for Duke. I don't think it means anything for Michigan State. I think they're going to come back better than ever. They're. Gonna, I would love to see these teams play again in the Final Four. Of course, Gus. That would be incredible. And just one more spot on the uh, rebounding uh, numbers that you that you spit out. Duke had a ton of offensive rebounds too. Killed them. Killed them. That that yeah, might have I mean, been like the biggest difference throughout the entire game. They had a whole bunch of second hand, second chance points that I don't think Michigan State anticipated them having. 
Yeah, you know, there was a lot of energy in the arena. There was a lot of energy in Michigan State before the game. I thought they were more fired up than Duke was. I think Duke got some long rebounds. You know, long shots mean long rebounds, right? right. And I think Michigan State was boxing out but not moving out. I think they were boxing but not clearing the area. Mm-hmm. And I think Duke got a lot of offensive rebounds on long shots that were like at the foul line and, and, and sort of around the foul line extended area. And I think that flustered Michigan State a little bit. But I'm convinced if Grayson Allen doesn't have his game, I'll tell you, when Matt McQuaid did the up and under there by, by Carter and yeah. scored, I was positive Michigan State was winning. I would I would have doubled my bet if if betting was legal and if I bet. <laughs> two two big ifs, <laughs> large ifs. Uh, speaking of two big ifs, I think we can say two big ifs belong to Kentucky and Kansas. Like, what if they could make a shot or dribble a basketball? This seemed to be like a really sloppily played game. It seemed like it was not at the level that the Duke-Michigan State game was played, at least on the offensive end. I mean, you had uh, Graham not shooting the lights out. You had Kentucky struggling to find an offensive output. Um, Knox, who you expect to be one of their go-to scorers, really didn't play that well. Diallo, who I really love, definitely isn't your... I don't know, high volume shooter. So there were a lot of things negative on the offensive side, which maybe speaks to these two teams like knowing each other and being scouted really well. But also it speaks to there's still a lot of work to do for these two teams. One Kentucky takeaway, man, they are young. Yeah, they're young. They're young. young. I mean, he had them playing hard. But, man, they, they are just a little bit lost offensively, and they don't seem to have, like, that defined go-to guy yet. And my one takeaway for Kansas is I don't know how good Malik Newman is. I'm not 100% sold on him. I don't know exactly, like, what his role and position is. But I'll tell you what, and, you know, both you and I were on this, really liked Vic. Oh, yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. This game played out, I think, exactly as we talked about. Folks, Devontae Graham is not an All-American. He's not going to, that doesn't mean that he's not valuable. That doesn't mean that he's not a really great player at Kansas. It's not what it means. What it means is guys who are going to average 11 points per game and have sporadic 17 game, point game and four point games don't make all American teams. I'm not saying they're not valuable, but the fact is this is reality we're talking about. He's not getting on this team because this is going to be a sum of the parts. But who is the best offensive player for Kansas this game? They were running plays for him. Uh, Sweet. This is Svima Heilig. Yeah. They were running plays. They were running flare screens for Svima Heilig. Graham is going to have some games where he's 28 points. He's also going to have games where he has five or six points because he is a facilitator. He had 11 points, Gus. He was outscored by Azabuki, who had 13, Newman, who had 12, and Mihailik, who had 17. What's even worse, Gus, is he had less shots than Mihailik and the same amount of shots as Malik Newman. And by the way, Billy Preston, it was suspended, didn't even play. So I think it was a nice. I think it was a nice win for Kansas. Impressive. As for Kentucky, they're going to get better. You know what I thought was interesting, Gus? At the end of the game, he didn't want Diallo bringing the ball up. He wanted Gilgis Alexander to bring the ball up at the end because I think he knows he needs scoring and yeah. he needs Diallo to sort of be the scorer. Although I was impressed with Kevin Knox. I think they're going to get better. I think it's a Cal team and they're going to get better. I think they're going to get better too. I also think Kansas will get better. I, I think we can just stay away from the whole car thing with Billy Preston. That that seems to be a little fishy. I'm sure they'll look into it and find a solution there. But once they get him on the court, I think that gives them a, another option offensively. And me again, kind of like we talked about on one of our podcasts earlier, is like if he's going to come in and run amok with second units, I think that makes total sense for them. But yeah, I can see both of these teams making a big jump. Not only when conference play starts, but also when postseason play starts early in March. 
We did that interview, right? The Beat Writer uh, preview series. We had a couple more coming, folks, by the way. We still got Nevada and Weber State, so hang on for that. Gus is doing a great job. Jesse Newell had mentioned this. He talked about how he heard them yelling, Billy, you have to run. Billy, you have to run, because Billy Preston, I guess, is sort of a, maybe lazy or doesn't give his full effort. Combine that fact, with Gus, with that he crashed a car, and it was victimless. Okay, so he crashed a car, but he's not off to a great start, which means to me that, again, Kansas is going to be very light on their bench. They have seven guys, and all of a sudden, Mitch Lightfoot is playing, and he doesn't play that much, so they really have six guys folks if i'm in the big 12 i'm licking my lips because this does not this is not the same team that had frank mason and had josh jackson last year there's a lot of scoring questions on this team so nice win for kansas but if you're in the big 12 get your popcorn ready i totally agree with that i think this game kind of gave everybody a little glimmer of hope in the big 12 like oh Maybe this is the year that we could take them down. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. We'll go. Uh, we'll go a little Gavit games for you guys. Uh, one of the games that we got our eyes on, uh, which was an interesting matchup, was uh, 19 Purdue going to Marquette to play Marquette and all of their shooters. Uh, Purdue wins the game, 86-71. Nice road win for Purdue. The game was tight with about five minutes to go, and Purdue pulls it out. It's a little gap. And then keeps that gap, and then foul shots. The foul uh, foul shot game at the end ensues, and of course we know Purdue is a great foul shooting team, so they make their foul shots and hit some open shots at the end. Here are the two takeaways from this: number one, Carson Edwards is a man. He does not get bullied around and pushed around by anybody. He's great on the defensive end, and when he brings it into the lane, people bounce off of him. He does not bounce off of people. And I'll tell you what. Little Howard from Marquette, that little shooter, he's got a little shimmy to him. He's got a little shake to him. He had a little mid-range game, a couple of pull-up moves, a couple of floaters. He just wasn't bombing from deep. I was really impressed with his play. Marquette, I think, needs to defend a little bit more if they're going to be a factor long-term and get some bigger wins. They can do it offensively, but I think they need to buckle down a little bit on the defensive end. And I'll tell you what, I'm sticking with, with this Purdue Final Four pick. I, I'm not going anywhere with it. I'm firm on it. I think that they're going to be an issue. And one of your favorite, least favorite players, Isaac Haas, actually had a gigantic offensive game and was a factor all game. And Marquette did not have an answer for him, which I thought was like kind of entertaining and also intriguing. Mike, did you have any takeaways from the Purdue-Marquette matchup in the Gavit games? No, listen, be, full disclosure, man, Purdue has looked very strong. I mean, I, I understand that Isaac Haas is dominating Edwardsville, Chicago State, Marquette. I, I get it. Okay. And that's fine. Let's Let's see what happens when he gets into some real games and he gets into his usual foul trouble. I think Purdue is going to be very solid this year. I think Purdue is a top 20 team. I, I So please do not mistake, folks, that I think Purdue is like the seventh best team in the Big Ten. That is not the case. But I just don't buy into this. Biggie's gone. Isaac Haas, who's Drago, is all of a sudden going to become 20 and 10 and that the perimeter guys are going to be on fire. And listen, Vince Edwards is what Vince Edwards is. He is very Devontae Graham to me. I think he's a great college player. Mm. I think he is invaluable to the Purdue program. Maybe they retire his jersey. I think all of that is fine. I don't think he's putting up 20 and 10. I think he gave you in this game exactly what he normally gives you. And he's an extremely valuable player. But for that All-American stuff, that's where I'm not sure. However, I do think Doster may have been on something with Carson Edwards. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he had 15 points in this game. Carson Edwards got a little bit, you know, you get in my face. I'm going to, you know, get on you. And I like that. You know I like that about these players. But it's still a win over Marquette on the road. I like it. I think it's – or Gavit Games, rather. I think I like it. I produce off to a good start. Nothing else to say. One of the guys that's going to give Haas a run for his money in the Big Ten is going to be Reggie Lynch and Minnesota. So I think all we need to just comment on here is – so Minnesota's pretty good, huh? 
Uh, yeah, Minnesota's good. You know, the, the uh, we have friends, of course, who look for advice, folks, um, for gambling from time to time, if gambling were to be legal. And if you have advice on certain uh, point spreads that you see, feel free to send us a tweet at SDS Podcast, or you can contact, contact us on Gmail, SDSpodcast at gmail.com. But the question was, it was Minnesota minus two at Providence. That was the question. And... I really didn't have a feeling on the game, and I thought it was a stay away. But Minnesota's good, folks. Yeah. They're legitimately good, and I think it's worth watching because that was an impressive win at Providence. Providence is a good team, Gus. They, yeah, they are okay. And Reggie Lynch put up like a, this giant, crazy stat line of 18 points, 12 boards, 6 assists, and 9 blocks this week. I, I like that. I mean, we, you know, we praised like Embiid for putting up like this crazy, like David Robinson stat line of like 45 points and, and seven blocks and seven assists and 15 boards. I, I, I'm not comparing Reggie Lynch to Embiid by any means, but I mean, his stat line is impressive as well. And he's just been putting up numbers. Minnesota's good. If he's going to put up big numbers like that and be their required big, and they're going to have Mason and Coffee do their thing on the perimeter, this team is just flat out dangerous. So beware of Minnesota. They seem like they're really good. Yeah, honest uh, uh, correction, Gus. It was actually Providence minus two, and that was the one I struggled with. It was yeah. Providence minus two, and and Minnesota blew them out by twelve. Minnesota's off to a great start uh, so far on the season. They are three and zero. They have that the big win at Providence. They beat South Carolina Upstate and they beat Niagara. Uh, so they're they're moving on. They have a pretty easy schedule until they face Alabama on November twenty fifth. Then they have Miami. And then they get into some of the games there. And outside of that, they got your Harvard Crimson. Great interview, by the way, Gus. And before they really get into the, the, the schedule of folks, you got to get on to Minnesota because Nate Mason is the real deal. And they are a tough team. They're, yeah, I think that, and, and I think they're tough defensively. I agree with that. Their length is an issue defensively. Let's just throw, uh, let's throw a little uh, mid-major love here. We don't want to ignore those guys. Uh, Davidson joins the Century Club. They put up 108 yeah, yeah. on UNC Wilmington. And UNC Wilmington is legit. You know, they went to the tournament last year. Yes, they lost a lot of players off their team due to transfer and graduation. But they bring back Kaycock. Kaycock had 22 and 14, I think, in this game. But the real story of this game, besides Davidson getting the, you know, dropping 100, is uh, Peyton Aldridge. He put up 37 points. Talk yes, about, he did. Talk about stat numbers. That guy, I think, is going to be in the same mold as Jack Gibbs was the past couple of years and average 20-plus points, be super efficient from the three, be super efficient from the field. He's going to make all his foul shots, and you know Coach McKillop is going to put him in successful offensive situations. And obviously, this game was no different, putting up 108 points on a very good very uh, well-coached UNC Wilmington team. Really impressed with Davidson putting up 100 and really impressed with Aldridge putting up 37. Jay Bellis talked about in his opus. He said, Peyton Aldridge, you got to pay attention. 37 against UNC Wilmington. Very impressive performance. You know they're going to be well coached. Just a classic team that no big time program ever wants to see. 108 to 81. Kaycock, like you said, was was real solid. But Davidson, very impressive. They're now 2-0 in the season. Won both games at home. They were 13-33. They're always going to jack the threes. Almost a 40% clip. Very great. Very impressive job there by Davidson. Now, let's get to your four horsemen, right? We watched this game. We, you know, we felt like we had a little local feel on this. Uh, we were lucky enough to talk to one of the beat writers for Seton Hall. And Seton Hall wins a nice home game, 84-68 over Indiana. And I think the quote that we can go with this game is Indiana's new coach, Archie Miller, who coached all those really tough Dayton teams that were always tough to deal with. His quote was, yeah, those guys are going to be a problem to deal with 
all year. And if you're going to say like, oh, that team's going to be a problem. Coach Miller's teams at Dayton made everything a problem all the time for their opponents. So if anybody knows what what's going to make things hard for the other team, it's definitely Coach Miller. Angel Delgado was really impressive. Here's my one takeaway from Angel Delgado in this particular game. The guy has an offensive game on the block over the left shoulder now. That was not there last year. That that move and that 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 confidence was definitely not there on the post with that move. If he can make that a go-to move and maybe do an up and under on what you know once people are scouted onto that, forget about it. That guy is an NBA player. Really impressed with Seton Hall. Really impressed with all four of their horsemen, as you name them. I really like that term. I'm going to stick with that. Trending on Twitter. I'm going to go with Hall Four Horsemen. I'm really going to try to get that twenty. I, I like it. I like it. I think you should go with it. But I, I'll tell you right now. We heard Eric Fawcett pick Seton Hall for the Final Four. That doesn't seem so crazy now, does it? You know, I'm having a hard time getting there. I think it was a great win by Seton Hall, but they need a bench to perform here. You have, I put it out on Twitter, you have Rodriguez, Delgado, Carrington, and Powell. Tremendous players. Right. As good a solid fours you're going to find in the country. 75 of their 84 points. Gus, somebody's going to in foul trouble. Somebody's going to get injured this year. Somebody's going to have a problem. Now, uh, you know, when we, we had our interview with Jeremy Schneider over here at NJ.com, mm. we got to talk, uh, New Jersey Advanced Media, got to talk about Ike Sonogo. Somebody's got to, somebody has got to perform and maybe it's going to be Sonogo. Somebody's got to step up because I can't keep seeing this team only having four guys, having no one on the bench. They get no, nothing out of the fifth starter. So I like them. I'm into them. They're local. Let's go. But until they get production out of their bench, then I'm making the final four. I can't one team in our history that made it with no bench and four guys only a score because, you know, things happen. Somebody's going to get hurt at some point. Totally true. And, you know, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to have foul trouble or somebody's just going to be off that night. Somebody's going to have, you know, girlfriend problems that night. Somebody's going to have failed their test the day before. Yeah, like, of course. All of Absolutely. that stuff is yeah, going to happen. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's totally true. But love them. I mean, they're as good a four as anybody in the country. 100%. I, I don't think you're. I don't think that's an outlandish statement. I think if we're going to line up everybody's top four players, I think they stack up with just about anybody in the country. Absolutely. I agree yeah, with that. No yeah. Hey, let's go, let, let's go a little basketball narcolepsy here. I was guilty of it. I stayed up and watched a lot of St. Mary's and New Mexico State just because you are that makes that makes one of us. <laughs> I, I I watch Nevada, Rhode Island, so I'll trade you. Okay, Fine. okay, that's fair. Uh, and I just want to give a shout out to Mark Rudy. We interviewed Mark for uh, our New Mexico State preview, and he sent out a link where you could uh, figure out where to watch the game because the game wasn't on locally. So thank you, Mark. That's totally awesome on your part. I, I, I used your link and watched the game. It was great. I know the final score doesn't look like we should be talking about this game, but at halftime, it was 47-42 St. Mary's. And it was a live game with about five minutes to go. And then St. Mary's, much like Seton Hall and much like, I'm trying to think the other game we talked about, much uh, much like Purdue and Marquette, they just got a little gap and then that gap got padded that last five minutes. I, New Mexico was live on the road. They, they were not afraid to play St. Mary's. I think this game had a few more possessions than I thought it was going to have. If Emmett Narr plays like he played in this game then maybe you're on to something, Mike Randall. And because he did not play this way last year, I, I think we mentioned on a previous podcast, I felt like he was playing a little hurt all year last year, much like uh, Grayson Allen was. I don't think he was himself last year. He looked really healthy, and he was playing really efficiently. So if he's going to put up 22 points along with Jacques Landell and Hermanson doing his thing, like I, St. Mary's is good, and we've been saying that all year, and both of us had them ranked. And New Mexico State is no slouch. They're one of the favorites in conference. 
But St. Mary's is going to be really good if Emmett Nahr is going to play at a really high level. I was really impressed with them. I know you didn't stay up for this game, but do you have a little St. Mary's take for us or New Mexico State for us? Listen, I I liked Emmett Nahr. I agree with you about the injury because he was disappointing last year. I really thought he was going to step forward and take a major role. If he does, I think that's great for the team. But it's very simple. This team will go as Hackman Landell goes. If Jock Landell gets two fouls, they can lose absolutely to anyone on any single night. Gus, you ended up talking to Jim Meehan about this, and he pointed out, I don't think St. Mary's, he was shocked that they they got every first place vote in the conference, except, of course, from their own, who voted for Gonzaga. For Bennett, Bennett probably voted for Gonzaga, can't vote for herself. Right. I, I'm not so sure if we're positive that St. Mary's is just all of a sudden winning the conference. Right. I, 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 last year, they had a good team. Gonzaga had a fantastic team, but they were non-competitive in all three games. Non-competitive. Correct. And Jock Landell could not understand that he can't get in foul trouble against Shemek Karnowski. So, literally, I probably would have tied his hand behind his back for the third game because he can't. So, Gus, if he can't understand that against an all-world Gonzaga team last year, you're that confident that he's going to be able to run through the schedule this year? I have to tell you, I'm almost swinging the other way now. Uh, I like St. Mary's, uh but are you telling me Mark Few and Hashimura, who I saw can go the length of the court in four dribbles, by the way, you're telling me that they shouldn't get any votes except for Randy Bennett, who can't vote for his own team? For the for the WCC champion, let's take it easy, folks. I agree. A little fishy. I, I, I'm with you. I I can't believe I'm saying this. People are selling Gonzaga short. A hundred percent. I can't true. believe I'm saying. Uh, that. I agree with you, man. And I was not the Gonzaga guy last year, but you are a hundred percent right. Take it easy. I know. I've seen this dance before. Hermanson, yeah, shooting threes, lefty headband. I like it. Landell, foul trouble. Emmett Nar, right? I'm still waiting him to, you know, Muskrat Love getting in the lane there. Great, but I'm sorry. You're picking. You. They're playing tomorrow in Gonzaga. Who are you taking? How can I take Gonzaga? Of course you are, and so am I. <laughs> Listen, last thing we'll go is we'll just say welcome back, Joel Berry. Joel Berry came back a little bit sooner than expected from his injured hand, punching the wall after playing uh, NBA 2K. He did not play well at all, but North Carolina got the win. Mike, do you think that this is important for him to come back, or do you think rushing him back is a mistake? What's your overall view on Joel Berry getting back for the Tar Heels? Do you think him rushing back is going to be – hindering down the line or do you think just getting him back is going to be just help the team in general and help this team run correctly listen i love joel berry he's a wonderful player he's a first team all-american caliber player i don't think you want to rush him back and i am not sold on this north carolina team so i am not positive that this team is going to be dominating i'm happy to have him back but gus he's the type of guy even when he's healthy could have seven points he's not a 28 or 29 point guy on a nightly basis he can always dial one up so i'm glad he's back and i'm glad he's trying to work with may and brooks and williams and and Seventh Woods and Felton, but I just don't think that this team, North Carolina, right now as I see it, I don't see them as a top three seed in the NCAA tournament. And I think that if they rush Joel Berry back, that's a mistake. If he's okay and he was clear, that's fine. Gus, Theo Pinson's not scoring 20 points. I know he had 19 against Bucknell, okay, but it's Bucknell. All right. I'm just saying, like, he's not going to score high d- digits in ACC conference games. So I'm saying you need Barry to be that guy this year. He's got to be 20 points a game in the big games. He's got to have 22 points. So don't compromise anything. Um, but I get it. They didn't want to have any early losses. 
But let's see. Let's see what happens. He is a difference maker. But Williams, Brooks, Pinson, May, and Barry, is that a, a Sweet 16 team? I don't think it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the uncertainty there. As much as I root for UNC and pull for them every single year, I, I, I understand the uh, yeah, I understand the uncertainty. I, I totally get it. I'm glad he's back. I want him back and healthy, though. I don't want him back and compromised, personally. How about we get into the meat of this podcast? Let's give the people what they have been waiting for, for on this particular podcast. I'm ready. Are you ready to announce the Mike Randall all-American Screen the Screener podcast teams? 100% ready. I've never been more ready. <laughs> this is excellent. Okay. So, Mike, I think we'll go the same way. We'll go in reverse order. Uh, we'd love to hear your th- – or actually, how would you like to do it? Would you like to do it first team, second team, third team? I will follow the greatness that is you, and I will not change a thing. Uh, we will start with the third team. Okay. So, Mike Randall, please give the listeners – the five players on your third team, All-American for the 2017-2018 season. It is impossible to envision a three-team All-American grouping without a player from Kentucky. And while I recognize that the 38 stars that they have may not be as great as the other stars of the past, Kentucky's going to get it right. And when they get it right, they're going to need a player to do well. And the players that tend to do well and get the accolades are the high-volume shooters. And the best shooter on this team is Kevin Knox. So I'm going to put Kevin Knox on my third-team All-American, Gus. I think Kentucky gets a guy on. I think they probably win the SEC. They're going to battle with Florida. And I just think Knox is a flammable player. I think Diallo is, is not a, a true score per se, and I think they're going to go to Knox like they went to Monk. So I like Kevin Knox on my third team All American. Interesting. I like it. Okay. I'm a Pac 12 guy, as you are. Hashtag basketball narcolepsy. I like USC. I know that there's a lot going on with that team right now, but I think it's going to settle down, and I think they're still super talented. I think Andy Enfield has a really great team. You and I have talked about them being the best team in the in the Pac-12 at the end of last year. Nothing has changed that, Gus, and this team took off when this player returned. So Benny Boatwright from USC nice. is going to make third-team All-American. When he came back last year, that's when that team really took off, and of course, that stunning win in the tournament that both you and I were shocked about to SMU. So I'll put Benny Boatwright on there as well. That's fantastic. <sighs> yes, I will put Jock Landau. There it is. On yes. My third team. I can't believe but, you're saying that within but, five minutes of just blasting him. I I am. I, I think he will get numbers. I think he will do very well. I think he will have great games. I will. Do I think Gus that they'll win it outright? I think at least they'll tie with Gonzaga. I don't think they'll 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 um, sweep Gonzaga. That's for darn sure. But I think that Landell will do very very well. And listen, they're going to need representation. And Gus, I struggled to find people here. I like him better than a Colin Sexton. Mm-hmm. I like him better than some of those players. So I will put Jock Landell on there. Listen, Gus, if if Ben Simmons can get first-team All-American, then I think Michael Porter Jr. can get accolades. I'm not so sure, since I'm not sure how Missouri's going to do, if Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a first-team All-American caliber player. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's going to be second-team. I tend to reserve those, my own bias, full disclosure, for teams that win and teams that, you know, for a veteran upperclassman, unless you're a massive impact freshman. So that gives you a hint of who I have in front of him. But I will put Michael Porter Jr. on my third team All-American. And staying with the Jock Landell theory, Gus, I want you to guess it. Go completely on the other side of the country. Think of a mid-major school. Think of this school, which is probably the favorite in their conference. 
Think of a tremendous player who is the preseason conference player of the year in the Atlantic 10. Think of who these players are and think of that guy. Yes, I think Jalen Adams yeah. is a real deal. Right. And I know that th- and I know that they lost. I know they lost already because Adams didn't play, but that shows you how valuable he is. Right. So yes, Gus, I like the upperclassmen. I like the players in the small schools. You know this. We talk about it all the time. And I'm putting Jalen Adams yeah. on there. So my third team All American is Kevin Knox of Kentucky, Benny Boatwright of USC. Hackman Landau of St. Mary's, <laughs> Michael Porter Jr., who will change Missouri but may not get them into the tournament. Although I like that call you said, the play-in game. That's definitely possible. And Jalen Adams of St. Bonaventure. What do you got? Okay. Let me have it. Okay, here are my quick hitters on this. Number one, I totally agree that I think Kentucky will get it right at some point this season. And if they do, Knox has to be the guy to get it right. So I'm kind of on board with that one. Although I didn't put a Kentucky player on any of my All-American teams, I think if you're going to lean one way or the other, I think you have to go Knox with a, you know, maybe 1A is Diallo. But I think Knox is going to be, if, if, if Kentucky's going to be great, Knox is going to be the guy. Love that you put Boatwright on there. He's definitely a difference maker. He is the typical stretch four. Love that. Love that you just put like your arch enemy Landell on it. Uh, Porter, I think you have to play somewhere. I I, I think he ha- might have the most volatility of Struggled anybody. Struggled with that one. On, Struggled with that one. Yeah, I think of any of the freshmen simply because we haven't had time to consume him and see him in a college uniform play for any extended minutes. So I get that. And of course, I love the Jalen Adams pick. I think Jalen Adams is going to put up crazy numbers. He might average like twenty and eight this year. That's that, that's insane. I'm ho- I'm rooting for the Bonnies. I hope they make the tournament, and I hope he has a moment in March. Oh, all right, that was pretty good. I survived that one. Uh, yeah. Let me see if I su- let me see if I survive the second team. I think you'll be okay. You'll do all right. Second team All American. I'm putting Angel Delgado on second team All-American. I don't think Seton Hall is going to quite be at that level that he is first team. He's a wonderful player. He's a Caleb Swanigan player. He's a first round NBA draft pick like player. Love the kid. I think he's outstanding, but I just don't know if they'll have the team exposure. They could finish third or fourth in the Big East. People are talking about them winning the Big East. They're not going to win the Big East because they don't have enough enough depth, but certainly I do like Angel Delgado and I think he's, he's a, he was a close one to first team for me, but I knock him down a little bit because I just don't think that the team's success will be there. A Duke player is going to be on there, Gus, and I just don't know if they're going to be on first team. So I split the baby with the bathwater. I put two Duke players on second team. Oh, boy. I put Grayson Allen. You did. Because he's a senior. He is going to lead that team, and you know I like veterans. So if Duke is going to be decent, and we talked about how their schedule is not that hard, Notre Dame only once at home, etc. Right. Allen's got to be good. I mean, Allen can't average 11 points. This is not going to be Trent averaging 15, Bagley averaging 20, Carter averaging 15. It's not going to happen that way. He's got to score. Those kids are going to be passive. They're going to be freshmen. They're going to make mistakes. So I think Grayson Allen, I almost put him on third, man, but I'll stick him on second because I think that Duke is, has a pretty easy schedule and they're going to be good. And I'm going to put Bagley with him. Good. Bagley is 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 a dominant player. He could be the first overall pick next year. I think Duke is a lock for two guys. I don't think Kansas is getting one. There's a uh, preview right there. Interesting. So I don't think they're getting anyone on the All-American teams. I don't see Devontae Graham. So two Duke players. Do I think they'll be a top three seed overall? One of the top uh, one seeds? overall? Absolutely. 100% they okay. will be. So therefore, it's not crazy that they get two guys. Here come some of the surprises. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready for this. 
Gus, I don't think Louisville is going to be as good in the ACC. And I don't think that North Carolina is going to be as good in the ACC, which means I think Miami Mm. is going to be very, very good. And the best player on Miami who has experience as a freshman, he already has a triple-double this year, is Bruce Brown. I think Bruce Brown is a tremendous, tremendous player. I think he does it all for Miami. I think he's flammable. He averaged 11.8 points per game last year. He had 5.6 rebounds. He had 3.2 assists. This is a pick because I think Miami is going to contend in the ACC. I think they are the type of team that can go into Duke and win, which is rare. And I think Bruce Brown is going to have an outstanding season for Miami. So I needed an off-the-radar one. Yeah. And I was trying to find somebody, and you know I tend to favor experience, so I went with Brown as the sophomore at Miami because I expect Miami to finish second in the ACC. And the last one I'm putting on there, Texas A&M is good, Gus, and so is Robert Williams. I'm very impressed with Robert Williams. He's agile. He has moves. He runs the floor. He's a big guy. I think he's a sleeper lottery top prospect guy in the NBA. So I'm going to put Robert Williams on second team All-American because I think they're going to be legit and they're going to be a problem as well. So my five, Angel Delgado, Grayson Allen, Marvin Bagley, Bruce Brown, and Robert Williams of Texas A&M. That is an unbelievably diverse second team, even with two Duke guys on there, because you're going with the senior and the freshman. Uh, here, here, here's my uh, quick takeaways. Of course, I love the Angel Delgado pick. Of course, he's going to put up big giant numbers. It's just, you know what? It's splitting hairs with him. He could be first team. He could be third team. I'm he could playing be second it safe. Team. Yeah, yeah, I'm playing it safe. You, you, you know what? He's going to be somewhere on there. He is your safest bet of any player that you've said thus far that's going to be on an All-American team. So I think perfect perfect selection, your first guy on second team. I'm going to package Allen and Bagley together. It, listen, it, if Duke is going to be a one seed, then both of those guys have to play like superstars. And, you know, so far, looks like that's going to be the case. Bagley's injury aside. So I, I like both of those guys. And I think that game against Michigan State really was a statement game for Allen. I think that kind of put him back into the national picture as far as All-American teams or even player of the year. You know, question mark there. Who knows? But the last two are really where we want to attack, right? Number one, the Bruce Brown pick speaks to how highly you think of, of Miami and maybe how – not poorly, but just maybe how questionable your thoughts are on the rest of the usual 100, 100%, top yes, blue bloods, it. right? That's it. Uh, yes, UNC, you mentioned UNC. You, uh, you threw in Louisville. Um, we can include NC State into that. I mean, there's plenty of teams that we can throw into that mix that maybe they're going to be down a little bit. And I'll tell you right now, Eric Fawcett's going to be very happy with this Robert Williams second team All-American pick because he also picked <laughs> Texas A&M for his final four. So you know what? He's probably smiling somewhere up in Canada at these picks. I, I, I am sure of that. And by the way, you are totally 100% spot on with Robert Williams being a lottery pick if he comes out this year. That is not outlandish. That is just simply accurate. So I think fantastic second team, diversity, a little bit off the radar, and a nice Duke package. All right. Give the people what they want. Let's hear this. Mike Randall, first team All-American for the 2017-2018 season. Give it to us. 
I'm getting so nervous. Just a last thought there on Williams, Gus. Of A&M's 15 losses last year, 13 were to NCAA tournament teams, nine of which advanced to at least the second round. They had a tough schedule last year in the SEC. They're an issue. He's 6'10", 241, 11.9 points and 8.2 rebounds. Let me tell you, I think he's going to dominate. And now my first team. Well, Gus, let's get the suspense out of the way. Miles Bridges, Gus, you may have heard of him, is on my first team. <laughs> so, so you may be aware who he is. I, look, um, I, look, I love that you're building drama and just spitting him out first. I, I appreciate yeah, yeah. I mean, this already. Right. I like it. If I keep him to the end, you know, our loyal listeners are going to be like, oh, great. Yeah, who's next? No, no, Miles Bridges is there. And you know why he's there? Just go to my short corner on RandallRant.com and watch the video of him on the baseline. Okay? And that's all you have to know. Now, next, I do like Arizona. Uh, I like Arizona. Spoiler alert, uh, could be an issue when we talk about my final four in a little bit. I do like Arizona, and therefore I like Alonzo Trier. Of course. And somebody has to be a top guy. I'm not going to pick Aiton. I'm not going to pick Acut. You know that. I'm going to pick the veteran. I'm going to pick the guy who really showed up last year's second half, although he had a terrible end of game against Xavier and couldn't pass the ball to, to Larry Marketing. I think Trier is a big-time scorer. He has to be for this team to win. I think they buy into what Sean Miller does, and they want to get the monkey off his back. So if I like Arizona, I have to like Trier. So I'll put Trier on my first-team All-American. Nice. Just because I don't necessarily think the ACC is strong does not mean I don't recognize how great Bonzi Colson is. Bonzi Colson was third-team All-American last year. Bonzi Colson was great player inside out. He's going to take a ton of shots, Gus. It's him and Matt Farrell and Mike Bray and a high-flying offense. I think Notre Dame is a solid team. I do like Miami a little bit better than them in the ACC, but I think Colson could lead the entire ACC in scoring. And I think he's a first-team All-American player, inside out, three-pointers, rebounds, the whole deal. He's in a great system. So I got Bonzi Colson. Last two, Gus, we'll start with Trayvon Blewett. Wow. Xavier is going to win the Big East. Xavier is going to win the Big East. And therefore, Trayvon Blewett is going to be the Big East player of the year. And Trayvon Blewett is going to be first-team all American. Yes, so, sir. I like Xavier. I like Chris Mack. He's got everybody back. They did it without him in Sumner last year. I think Blue has got a lot to prove. I think he's, you know, he's a tough guy, he's a senior, the whole thing. I'm going with Trayvon Blewett. And my last one, Gus, they switched the leagues, but they gave Kentucky everything they could handle last year in that NCAA tournament. Greg Marshall's got a chip on his shoulder. This Wichita State team can guard anyone. They are flexible. The defense, Landry Shamit doesn't get that shot blocked against Kentucky. They could possibly have been in a Final Four. They could have beaten North Carolina. Landry Shamit is going to be first team All-American. He came back early, early from the injury. So he's playing a full season. He looks good. My first team All-American, my partner, Miles Bridges, Alonzo Trier, Bonzi Colson, Trayvon Blewett, Landry Shamit. I'll let you react. If you notice, no Devontae Graham, no Jalen Brunson. I think you just gave the people what they wanted. That was fantastic. Screen to screener podcast listeners out there. What man, first, second, third team. Okay. Here's my reaction to your first team. Number one, miles bridges, very predictable. I think if you're building a first team, all American without him, then your architecture is suspect. Uh, (laughs) Alonzo Trier. I think we can follow a similar, uh, I think we can follow a similar thought process there. I had him one peg down. I totally get it. 
look, he's going to ball out. He's kind of the perfect small forward slash off guard slash swing in the college game. He can do a little bit of everything. He can rebound it for you. He can shoot it for you. He'll go, he'll go, uh, he'll go defend for you a bit. He is agile with the ball. Uh, he does have some ball skills. He does have some length. I love Trier as a player, actually. So I, I appreciate you having him on on your first team. And I think if Arizona is going to make that move, he has to be the leader and be the lead dog. You know how I feel about Bonzi Colson. I had him in the exact same spot on first team. So I'm with you on the Bonzi Colson train. All aboard, full steam ahead. I like them so much that I picked them for the Final Four. So I'm with you on Bonzi Colson and him garnering first team All-American honors. Love, love the Trayvon Blewett move. You know where I feel about Trayvon Blewett. You know how I feel about this Xavier team. I think that he's just going to put up a monster year. He's going to be efficient. He's going to be tough to guard. He's just going to be a pain in the tuchus for anybody that's trying to play him. He is not going to give up on a play. He's not going to give up on a game. He's not going to give up on a possession. That guy plays hard. I love Chris Mack as a coach. And you know what? He has some nice ancillary pieces around him that can help him make a giant impact in Makura and Gooden and Omir down low and even Scruggs off the bench. And you know what? I didn't even think you were going to say Landry Shamit until you got to the Wichita State part. So that part was just surprising. I love Shamit too. I think he's a really intriguing prospect. I don't really know if he's a true point guard, but I'll tell you what, that dude can ball out. And you know what? We've seen what Greg Marshall can do with great guards, with Van Vliet and Baker. And you know what? Shamit may not be that dissimilar from that group because he got he got to learn from them his redshirt year. So I bet he's going to pull out a bunch of old uh, uh, Van Vliet and, and Baker tricks from the sleeve that he learned during his redshirt season. I love that pick. He's He's got to have a Trayvon Blewett-like experience in the tournament because it was clear to me Shaq Morris isn't scoring 24. Okay, we, we like the put the pieces, but they all sort of look to him like Jimmy Chitwood, you know, at the end of the game there. I'll make it. He's got to step his game up, and I think he can. I agree with you. He's more of a scoring guard than he is a point guard. Gus, this is what I'm going to tell you about Trayvon Blue at three games so far. Are you ready for this? This is what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> okay. Right, I, 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 I already am going to tell you. I have a reaction <laughs> for what you're going to tell me. Points, 25, 26, 25. Free throws. 17 of 17 from the free throw line. From the three-point line, Gus, he's attempted 18 shots. He's made 10 of them. That's 56% from three-point range. And his field goal percentage, Gus, is (laughs) 65.4. So I don't know what else there is to say. (laughs) Here's what else is to say. Uh, Lifting the podcast curtain a bit for everybody. We are recording this on uh, Thursday night. And uh, while Mike and I are recording, we have the – Xavier Wisconsin game on in the background. Trayvon Blewett had four points in the first half and looked absolutely lost against a great defensive Wisconsin team on the road. Blewett went off for 21 points in the second half and Xavier garners a gigantic road win for the Gavit games and beats Wisconsin on the road by almost double digits after it being close at halftime. And that's all due to Blewett's explosion in the second half. The dude is a stud. He's a senior. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder like you mentioned. And I'll tell you what, those other pieces around him are going to accentuate his talents and only make him be more impactful. 
It's just that simple. Well, there you go, uh, my partner. You've been uh, nice to me. You were you went easy on me. I appreciate it. Oh, get out of here! Those teams were amazing. Are you kidding me? I, I, look, look. Kudos to the Jalen Adams on third team. Uh, un- I, unpredictable coupling of Al- of Allen and and Bagley on the second team. Love the Robert Williams pick. And I mean, if if you're gonna if you're gonna tell me you're gonna put Blewett and Shamit on your first team All American, I'm in. Put me in. Sign me up. I'm in. I love those selections. Whenever you you hear Trayvon Blewett, you know what I think of. You ever see that the uh, movie Ocean's Thirteen? Bernie Mac was in that. He's trying to sell a game, and the game is a new game for the casinos, and it's called Nuff Said. Okay, that's what Trayvon Blewett is. Trayvon Blewett is Nuff Said, pretty much. He knows what he's doing. He's going to score. He's back for a vengeance. He had a little misstep on his personal life there in the offseason. He's killing it. He's shooting 60% from the field, 50% from three, 25, 26, 25 points. Cue Bernie Mac, Nuff Said. So when they win, Mr. Bank, we win. Nuff Said. It's time to finish this podcast in proper fashion. Do you have your final four picks for the 2017-2018 season prepared? You're going to love it. You're going to love my last one. <laughs> All right. You're going to love my last one. Here we go. All right. You ready? Mike Randall, let's go. I can't wait to hear these selections. Uh, let's give it to us. All right. Gus always says efficiency of keystrokes. I'm going to say efficiency of your ears. Michigan State is making the final four. They have the best player. They have a great coach. They have a deep team. They have senior leadership. Jackson looks like an incredible freshman. Enough said. Michigan State in the final four. Very good. I, I don't want to be chalky here, but I do think that Arizona is going to make it also. I think Sean Miller's knocked on the door. I think all this stuff with the recruiting is going to pass. I think they're a dominant team. They're going to battle USC out there in the Pac-12. I think they're better than USC. I like that they have Trier's leadership. I like Parker Jackson Cartwright in the backcourt as a steady influence. You know what I think about Raleigh Alkins? Okay. Very so I, I like Arizona big time. I think they're making it Michigan State. Now let's go off the beaten path a little bit. Gus, I liked Landry Shamit because Wichita State is going to make the Final Four. Oh, yeah. They've done, they've done it once. I think that they play defense. I think they score. They have a tremendous coach. I think they are a nightmare team to guard. They're like Nevada on steroids. I saw the Nevada-Rhode Island game, which, by the way, was an outstanding game, and I, I stayed up to watch it. I got robbed of a great ending because E.C. Matthews there fractured his wrist going to the basket. Oh, t- he was playing lights, yeah. lights out last 15 minutes. Lights out. It was a tremendous game. But Nevada, I mean, if people don't believe in cloning, Take a look at Nevada. It's Jordan Caroline and four guys that are the same size and the same length. Okay, so they are a devastating team. Wichita State is that type of team. They have the balance. I think they're going to really put it together. I love them. You got a guess for my last one? Do I have a guess for your last one? I don't think you're going to go back to St. Mary's after I am pick- not. picking I am last not. season. But I am staying with a love affair. Really? You know, I think defense is underrated. And I think that Cincinnati has played oh, defense. Oh, yes! For, I think Cincinnati has played defense well for many, many years. Last year, Gus, and I do have this thing, if you noticed, I'm a year early on things or a game early. I, I pumped DeMarco Murray in the fantasy podcast. And then last week, he had three touchdowns. So I'm usually a week early. I think I was a year early on Cincinnati. They have almost the entire team back. Kane Broom looks tremendous, like you said. Mick is a great coach. No one plays defense. They can match up with anybody in the country. I think they're going to battle. I think it's going to be a tremendous fight in the AAC. And yes, Gus, I'm predicting two 
AAC teams to make the final four. That will be now. Listen, none of these are going to be low ranking teams, so there's no blow up team here. Right. But my blow up strategy is two AAC teams make the final four. That okay? Look, look, listeners, this is this is this is amazing. <laughs> Look, the first two, I agree. Like it, again, if you're if you're not creating your final four selections without a Michigan State included, uh, you know, suspect architecture, like we said before. Like, but Arizona, the cloud of uncertainty with uh, the FBI scandal around them, it, it creates this. It, it, before it was a like kind of a lockup, right? Like, oh, Arizona's definitely making the final four. They're going to break through this year. Now, now that's not so, you know that that is not a gimme. That's not a that's not a certainty, but I gotta tell you, this double American conference pick of, of Wichita could be idiotic. Could be idiotic. It is amazing. Okay, number one, we again, listeners, we Mike and I talk often. You know, we'll text often, um, uh, podcast notes. What are we gonna What are we gonna discuss? Wichita State has never been on your radar this whole entire preseason. I'm totally surprised by this. This is great. Yeah, I love McCronin. I, I just think the team is good. I was looking at the top teams. I'm like, who am I going to pick? Gus, some, it's not going to be chalk. I mean, what was it? Chalk one time, maybe the Kalen Lucas year? Yeah. It was really chalk pretty much one year. So I like Michigan State and Arizona. I'm going to put what? Michigan State, Arizona, Duke, and Kentucky? And no, I'm not. No. So who's going to knock them out? You know who's going to knock them out? Veteran teams. You know who's going to knock them out? A team with a great coach. You know who's going to knock them out? A team that's not afraid of the big spot that has a player that can score big time. That's what Wichita State has, and Cincinnati is a veteran team. I'm in, man. Listen, here, here, here's just my my two other thoughts on your final four picks. Uh, number one, Wichita State is going to be unbelievably a menace all year on defense due to their length, effort, and switchability on defense. Cincinnati, ditto. They are going to be a nightmare on defense because they can switch at pretty much every position except the one, and they have dudes that get up in your grill. And... Some of those dudes are growing into shot makers like Evans and Jacobs. And like you mentioned, Broom is off to a good start. And I'll tell you what, Cumberland and Jennifer aren't afraid to shoot that ball either. So I think no I think Cincinnati is, is a solid pick. I have to tell you they were on my radar as well. So I support the Cincinnati pick, but I love that you have two AAC teams. Unbelievable. And I, and- and I feel like Cincinnati, with the exception of the big guy, is very Purdue-esque. You know, so I kind of understand your Purdue love. I do. They don't have the they don't have the hot, you know, the seven two guy. But that type of team is a type of team that can make a run. I'm just going to go the other direction, and I'll go to Ohio for it. Very nice. So, folks, there you go. You have Mike Randall's first, second, and third team All American. You also have his final four selections of Michigan State, Arizona, Wichita State, and Cincinnati. Just fantastic picks. I, I, I love that it's not predictable. I love it's not chalk. I love that the whole thing had me guessing up until you released it. Well done. Hey, Screen to Screener uh, podcast listeners out there, if you like what you're listening to, can you please do what these kind people have done on iTunes? Hit us up with a nice review. Take a few seconds over uh, Thanksgiving break or over the weekend, punch up iTunes, type in some nice things, punch the stars all the way to five, listen to what this person said. Kudos, ahoy out there. Thank you so much, Edward Harrington. He said, quote, this is an outstanding basketball podcast that continually provides original insight into who's winning and who might win and why. 
the cap- we got to send Mr. Harrington a shirt or something. I think so, right? That was so kind. Thank you out there, Edward Harrington. Ahoy. We also wanted to say ahoy out there to fill in the fort. He says, listen to this. This is, this is, a, little, this is a little steep even for, for, for me. Um, he says, what's more to say? These guys are classic. My college hoops experience started with Billy Packer and Al McGuire Saturday wow. afternoons. Oh, we're with you. This duo is the Packer-McGuire version 2017 without compare. You're clearly, you're more Packer and I'm more McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's up for debate for the listeners, okay? <laughs> but thank you. It's an honor. Those are two such, great that's ones. That's like the highest compliment ever. So, listeners, thank you so much. Keep the reviews coming. Anybody that sends in a positive review, we will definitely read it live on the podcast for you and give you some props. So, props out to Edward Harrington and Phil in the Fort. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Folks, if you like what you hear, again, like Gus said, please give us a five-star review. We'll read it here on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. We have the website up, Randall Rant. Gus and I have our top team rankings. We send those out to you. We also have the short corner up there, which is going to be my weekly article recapping all the games that are going on. We're going to have great things for you throughout the year. We'll have we'll have giveaways, things like that. Follow Gus also, C Currents 12. Follow the podcast at SDS Podcast. If you like what you hear, pump it, tell a friend, tell two. Let us know how you like it. And if you have any issues that you want us to, to handle on the podcast, we are open to do so. Absolutely. And hey, you know what we just want to say out there? Thank you so much to all of our guests that have been coming on to the podcast to help provide you guys with further knowledge. We've been trying to get really interesting and intriguing and keyed in people. So we hope that you guys are enjoying like our, our guest segment during the, the preseason and leading into the start of the season. And we hope that you guys are, you know, responding to the effort that Mike and I are putting in and, and appreciating like the further insight that we're trying to provide for you. Because like who wants to listen to us talk about college basketball the whole entire time? We got to get smart. Uh, we got to get smart people in here to give you guys some insight. And that's exactly what we try to do. Give you guys some different voices that are a little bit more intelligent in certain areas. So thank you to all of our guests. We've enjoyed talking to each one of you and getting to know each one of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you, guests. Bells are coming in. means we're going out. We got more interviews coming. Weber State, Nevada. We got some great interviews coming up, folks. The Screen the Screener podcast back and better than ever in year two. Cheers. Gratulatia. I'm to the appetite.